everything about um, intimacy with the Lord for me is, is like that prayer that Moses prayed. I really do pray that a lot. Um, I'm sure, you know, when you guys read that story, it stirs you in the same way. Am I going to be able to move around? Okay. Just let me know. I can take it off if I have to, like I did at the retreat. Um, but, sorry, I had to get all situated. Um, to me, one of the main, if not the main way that I encounter the Lord the closest intimacy and the quickest way, so to speak, into his presence is through worship. And I think sometimes we get on the train of thought that worship is what we do when we go to church or our small group or um, whatever. It's um, a corporate thing. And I do totally enjoy corporate worship. It, to me, it has a whole different anointing when you have corporate worship, I can feel and sense different things in the spirit of the Lord. And um, I just feel like there's a lot of power in corporate worship. Um, but what I want to talk about tonight is more of that one-on-one -on -one worship that you have with the Lord. And do you have that with the Lord? You know, um, if you don't, if that's not something you do one-on-one -on, -one on your own, I really want to spark a fire inside of you tonight, plant a little seed or whatever it takes to get you to realize that that is one of the most powerful, amazing encounters that you can have with the Lord. And it's also one of the sweetest and most precious things that you can have between you and the Lord. You know, um, I like to tell the Lord that all the time and when I describe myself to him, when I talk about myself back to him, in my quiet time, I say to him, I am a worshiper. I am a worshiper, Lord. Before I'm a mom, before I'm a wife, before I'm a daughter or a friend or a minister or a speaker or a radio host or any of that other stuff, I am a worshiper. And that's what I hope someday that the Lord describes me as his daughter, but also, you know, she was a worshiper. You know, it tells us in um, Psalms 22, verse 3, that he inhabits our praises, right? So if you're needing to feel his presence, one of the quickest ways to do that is just to start worshiping him, right? And then it tells us in Psalms 100, verse 4, this one might sound familiar to a lot of you, we enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with and when I do, I'm a visual learner, so whenever I think about that, I think about how it used to be, like Paula mentioned in the Old Testament, when they would go to the temple to worship him, they would go through the gate, okay, the outer edges, and they would be thankful. And so I start saying to myself when, I, when I'm wanting to, to meet with him and, and just go before him, because that's really what worship is, you guys, and we're going to get into that, but... I imagine myself going through the gates of his heavenly kingdom, right? And I just, I walk through the gate and I start saying to him, thank you, God, for this day. Thank you that I woke up today. Thank you that I was on the wake-up list, right? Thank you that I'm alive. Thank you that I have no pain in my body today. Thank you, you know, I just, thank you that the sun is shining. Thank you that the moisture came. Thank you that it snowed last night. 
It doesn't have to be, you know, some big fancy thing. Just thank him for the small things. Get your heart in a grateful posture. And then the next part of that verse is we enter his courts with praise. You know, and if you've watched any movies where there's kings and stuff, I know you watch like Game of Thrones and stuff. I don't watch that because I'm scared of it, but okay, nobody watches that because we're all too holy. But if you did watch that show, I'm imagining that they have, like even in, um, what were we talking about earlier, the Lord of the Rings. When you go into the king's court, that's exactly what it is. It's like the courts are right there, and he sits there on his throne, right? So now you've entered the gate, you're coming into his court, you're walking literally into his physical presence, and that's when you bring the praise. Oh God, you are so holy. You are so beautiful. You are so majestic. You are so awesome. You're so wise. You're so kind. You know, then you start praising him. So worship is defined as the feeling or expression of reverence or adoration. And that's what I do. I just, I sit around, not all day, but in my quiet time or when I'm having a moment with him, when I worship him purposefully, um, I'll just walk around the house and go about my day, but I'll start singing to him. I'll start talking to him. And sometimes it's worship songs that are already written, you know, if I've got worship music playing in the house. But it doesn't have to be that way, you guys. Sometimes I'm just like, oh, Lord, you're holy. You are wonderful. I just make up stuff that I'm thinking about him. And I just start singing it. And as cheesy as that sounds, to walk around your house and just make something up, you guys, it, it does something, right? It, it, I think it's like instant magnet. You know, you see those things when you get two things close together that have a magnet thing and then they just slam together? I feel like that's what happens when I start talking to him and singing to him like that. It's like, boom, he's right there. And I can feel his presence so close. You know, I love the story of worship and adoration in John. If you've got your Bibles or you want to look on your phones, we're going to be in John chapter 4. And, of course, I've talked about this story, and everybody has. We all love this story. It's about the woman at the well. We're not going to read all the background stuff, but just to, I think it's the woman at the well one. Let me look, because I've got a couple in here I want to talk about tonight. Yeah. So we're in John chapter 4, the woman at the well. And this is where um, Jesus is saying to her, you know, I know that you've been divorced five times, and you're living with the man right now that is not your husband. And she's like, oh, you must be a prophet. You know, she's like, ooh, he knows all my business. So that's the background, okay? And then right after he says all that, she kind of, diverts the conversation, and she starts talking about where they should worship. She's like, well, you Jewish people say we should worship here, but my people say we should worship here. So we're going to pick up in Jesus' response to her. John chapter 4, verse 21. Jesus responded, Believe me, dear woman, the time has come when you won't worship the Father on a mountain nor in Jerusalem, but in your heart. Your people don't really know the one they worship. We Jews worship out of our experience, for it's from the Jews that salvation is made available. And here's, 
Here's the good one. From here on, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with the right heart. For God is a spirit, and he longs to have sincere worshipers who worship and adore him in the realm of spirit and truth. So see, worship's not about where we worship or our outward expression of worship. It's about our heart, right? It's about worshiping him in spirit and in truth. Paula talked about it last week from Jonathan Helser's message from 18-inch Journey. He talks about um, how worship is the word, in Aramaic, I'm probably going to butcher it, but it's seged, I think, or spelled like that. It sounds like that when you look at it. And it means to bow down or surrender. And it, when you do that, it does put your heart above your head. So that you're in a position, literally, where your heart, when you're bowed down, is above your head. And like I said, I'm a visual learner, so that's such a beautiful picture to me because you can't, you can't worship with your head, you guys. We have to worship with our heart, right? Does that make sense? So when he says in spirit and truth, I just like to dig into that a little bit and be like, okay, how can I worship in spirit? And I feel like that's when I can worship with my heart and I'm not trying to do it from, through some religious act or some legalistic way of just going through the motions. I'm really trying to worship him from my heart. And in truth, purely, as purely as I can, with whatever he's put on my heart to, to say back to him or to um, recognize about him in, like Paula said, whatever condition we're in. And so um, worship is a posture of the heart. It's acknowledging who he is and who he says that you are and agreeing with him about both those things, right? And when you do that, you got that heart above the head. And that's real necessary, I think. And worship is the reset. You know, I'll never forget, um, I was in worship one time. I've told this story before. I was in worship. I was having an incredibly hard week, an incredibly hard month, really. And I went into worship, and I just let it all out, and I just had my hands raised, and I could just feel the peace of the Lord after a few minutes just come over me. And then after the peace came this, like, wave of joy. You know, and then I was smiling, and I was worshiping. I mean, I was crying in the parking lot before I came in, but now I'm smiling and worshiping. And I remember saying to him, Lord, what is it about worshiping you that, that like, I can feel that way and then instantly feel this way? And just as clear as the bell, the Lord said to me, worship is the reset. It is the reset. And again, it's like repositioning our hearts our minds, our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions, our priorities, whatever we're going through. You know, you're standing there, you're going through hell, but you got your hands raised, and you're remembering how big your God is, how nothing is too hard for him, how all things are possible with God. And that literally will reset you. That will reset everything that you were thinking before you started worshiping. And that's true in corporate worship. 
But what I really want to stress tonight is that's true when you're home alone, when you're in the shower, when you're in the garage, when you're sitting in your garage with your car parked because you don't want to go in the house yet because you can't pull it together. That's the best time to worship. Worship is like a secret weapon of warfare too, right? I mean, think about the walls at Jericho. He had them go around and, and they were blowing trumpets. They were worshiping. That's what the shouts of praise to God is what brought the walls down, right? Worship is the reset. Whenever I'm discouraged or down or I've forgotten who I am, I just start to worship. And you don't need to be at church. You don't even have to have a Bethel CD on. You don't have to be listening to Hillsong or Amy Grant or anybody else. That's all nice, but you can do it yourself. And I feel like sometimes those moments are even more precious to the Lord because it's straight Straight out of your heart, whatever your heart song is, you're singing to him. Worship changes the atmosphere. And that's a little different than the reset. For me, the reset is what it does inside of me when I need a reset and I get my worship on. But worship also changes the atmosphere. Some of y'all know that um, one of the things that I love to do is go to the jail and do jail ministry. Well, they let me bring worship music in. And those girls love it. I mean, they go nuts over it. And now I'm seeing a group that they have started putting requests in for what I'm going to bring the next time I come. They're like, okay, when are you coming back? I'm like, I'll be here in two weeks. Okay, do you have Blessings by Laura Story? Do you have um, So Will I by Hillsong? Like they start asking me for songs that they heard in church or somewhere else before they came in, or maybe somebody else has brought in. But I love that because a lot of times they walk in and they're like this. You know, they got their arms crossed, their, their head over to the side, and they're like, we're not having any of this. We're not interested in whatever it is you're selling. We don't need that. But we always start with worship. And by like, I usually play like three or four songs. I'm telling you, by the second song, the third song tops. They're bawling. They are bawling because the Holy Spirit is ministering to them through that music, through that worship, and it's changing the atmosphere that's despair, discouragement, hopelessness, fear, anxiety, sickness and disease, mental stuff, bondages. It's breaking all that down. And that's just by worship music, playing in the room. They don't even have to be singing along, but most of them usually do. By the third song, they're all singing. And they're like, do you have the lyrics? I'm like, I always bring the lyrics. They're so excited that they can see the words and sing the words. It changes the atmosphere in that place. I think it affects the whole jail. Because when I go in, the guards that have to buzz me through the doors, they're like, I'm like, hi, how are you? And they're like, mm. you know, there's no, they got nothing for me. They're not interested either. And then when I leave, I'm like, thanks, have a good night. And they're like, you too, thanks for, thanks for coming. Like the whole attitude downstairs where the jail cells are, I really feel like the Lord changes all of that. And it's because he inhabits our praises. His presence comes in, right? Crowds out all of that crap, all of that negative stuff. So it, it resets you and it changes the atmosphere that you're in. You know how he talks about um, we're supposed to bring heaven to earth everywhere we go, right? That's one of the ways we do that. 
You know, the Holy Spirit lives on side of us now, inside of us now, so he's always with us. So you can worship in your prayer language when you're by yourself or whenever. If you're super brave, do it out in front of everybody. Um, or be like me. You'll be at Walmart. We'll be going down the aisles with friends or something. All of a sudden, they'll be like, um, yeah, you're praying out loud in your prayer language again. And I'm like, oh, sorry, because <laughs> I don't even realize I'm doing it sometimes because I'm just humming a song, you know. I'm always, I'm very musical, I think. I think that's the way God made me, and that's how he ministers to me. But I know that it's not just me that's like that. We're all meant to worship him intimately and not just corporately. Like I said, um, worship changes the atmosphere. Worship can sometimes look extravagant to other people, right? That's what's happening in our other story in John, John chapter 12. And I'm not going to go there, but that's the one where Mary is pouring out all that expensive perfume. She pours it all over Jesus' head. It's listed in, I think, all of the Gospels. And she's pouring it out all over his head, anointing him for the burial that's coming because he's headed to the cross. And the disciples don't know that or understand that, even though he's been trying to tell them that. But Mary just, she has a knowing, right? The Holy Spirit put her up to something. And she goes in there and she does that. And I've read that story so many times that I've always thought it was just Judas that got really mad and was like, you know, that, was, that money could have been used to feed the poor. But when I read it in one of the Gospels when I was studying for this message, it said, the disciples, like all of them, or most of them, got really mad and considered it a waste. And they were totally offended, is what my translation says. Totally offended because the worship was too extravagant. It says in the text that Jesus said that she would be forever remembered because of her lavish devotion. I'm like, ooh, I love that word, lavish. That's such a beautiful way to describe what she did. It does sound extravagant. And I'm like, I want to worship you lavishly and extravagantly. I mean, that's such a beautiful picture, and you can tell it meant so much to Jesus. But, but some people will be a, maybe annoyed or offended, and maybe you're one of those people that get annoyed or offended with extravagant or lavish worship. I mean, how many people are kind of scared of the flag wavers when you go to something, <laughs> okay? I would call that lavish and extravagant worship. And I used to be, like, so distracted by that. I didn't understand it until the Lord was like, let me explain some stuff to you. And he had me pick up a flag at a women's retreat several years ago. Juliana remembers that. And I get it now. I totally get that that's another expression of worship for somebody. Um, I was at a Bethel event not too long ago. It's probably been like a year. And um, at their church, if you haven't been there, it's really crowded and they pack you in, you know. So the seats aren't that spacious, you know. So you're all, and the rows are really big and long. So they worship for a long time. And I was at a conference, and so you could put your stuff down and sit in the same seat every day after the first day. And so... The first night we were there, there was this lady behind me, and she was tall, and she was really loud. Loud singer. Have you ever sat next to a loud singer? Okay. And she wasn't actually singing. 
she was talking the song, like speaking instead of singing. And so it was loud, and it was speaking into my earball the whole night. And they worship for like an hour and a half there before they go into the message. And it was so distracting, you guys. I could not, I could not get into worship. And so I just kept, I, I remember saying to the Lord, like, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be ugly, but that's so distracting. Can you, like, please, like, get her to stop? I was literally praying that to the Lord. And then the next day I go to my seat, and I'd forgotten about it, right? The next morning we get into worship. Rah, rah, rah. Like, she mostly was screaming the words, speaking them. She was not singing. And so I was like, oh, Lord, all day of this again. So the whole conference was like that. And by the end, I was super bitter. And just really ugly about it because I love worship so much. And it was literally like keeping me from being able to enter into worship. Okay, I was so distracted. And I was talking to the Lord a lot about it, and he was not talking back to me about it. He, had no, he wasn't uh, partnering with my complaining or my distraction. And so, you know, several months go by, um, almost a year. And I go out to L.A. recently for the Heaven Come Conference. And now we're in a big, it's a Bethel event, but we're in a big, like, arena-type place, okay? And it's sold out, and it's packed. And we get to our seats the first night. I'm there with Lee Damiano. And we get to our seats, and it's like theater seating, so, you know, it's like up, 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 so everybody's just a little bit higher than you. And we get in there, and the lights go down, and music starts playing, we start to worship. And I go to sing the first line, and I hear that loud screaming, talking voice right behind me again. I turn around, you guys, as God is my witness, the same lady, the same exact lady that had been at Bethel in Reading the year before is now in L.A. at this conference. And I'm at a, this conference is a worship conference. That's the whole point of it is it's a worship conference. And I remember I'm like, oh, Lord, mm -mm. I'm like, get behind me, Satan. I am worshiping, and so I'm doing this. I'm giving her the looks. You know, I'm like, oh, okay, that's my ear. So I'm getting real brave. I'm getting real bold. I'm like, I'm going to let this woman know that she's, you know, screaming in my ear, and she's super distracting. And so, no, I just kept turning around like, what? You're scaring me. You're so loud. She did not notice me ever, not once. And so... We're almost at the end of worship that night. And I'm like, Lord, seriously, this is horrible. This is so distracting. And I'll never forget this either. Now, he has not talked to me about this the whole time. Hasn't even acknowledged that I'm complaining and acting a fool. And he's so merciful, right? right. He gives us so much grace. And even when he gets on to us, it's really nice. But he said to me, I said, oh, how can she worship like that? It's annoying everyone. Doesn't she know how annoying she is and how much it's bothering us? And he said, honey, she's not worshiping for you. He said, she's worshiping for an audience of one. And she doesn't really care what you think, and neither do I. So you might just want to figure that out, because you've got a long week ahead if you're going to be distracted by that all week. And I was like, oh. It just, it, it really hit me. And then I started thinking of this story, really, in the Bible, of how annoyed they were and, and how they thought it was so offensive, what she did, and how wasteful. And I've got this lady screaming behind me. And 
I had like a paradigm shift that night. I went back the next day and she's there and she's doing her thing. But this time I'm seeing it through the eyes of the Lord and how much that must bless him. And I turn around and look at her and I just see her. She's got her eyes closed and her hands back and her knee forward. And she is fully engaged with the Lord. And she really is oblivious to everybody else around us. And I said to the Lord, I was like, oh my gosh, I want to I worship you like that, where I'm literally worshiping for an audience of one. I don't, I don't want to worry about anybody else around me and whether or not they're offended because I'm being too loud or I'm being too demonstrative with my hands. I want to be like that. Another thing about worship is it doesn't have to be professional. Um, you don't have to be a Jane or a Tim to worship the Lord, in public or in private. He loves the songs from your heart. He loves the way your voice sounds. He loves how it cracks when you get to a certain octave. He loves how off-key it can be and how tone-deaf you might be. He loves all of that. He created you. He, to him, it is the sweetest sound he ever heard, just like that lady that was standing next to me. That was beautiful music to him. She was worshiping him in spirit and in truth. And you know how I'm always talking about prayer and we don't have to use fancy words and, you know, talk for a long time and go through these big formulas when we pray? It's the same with your worship. Your intimate one-on-one worship of him doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be long, and it doesn't have to sound beautiful to your ears, because I promise you, it sounds beautiful to him. So don't let that stop you. Just like it says in John 4, let it, let it just be from a place of heartfelt adoration. Let it reset you. Let it change the atmosphere. The other thing is worship isn't meant to be contained or controlled. Um... It isn't meant to fit into anyone else's box, like I learned with that situation with that lady. It's a personal expression, just like I was talking about with the flags. Um, that's how some people express their worship. And if, you, if you're not into that, and you judge and criticize that, I know from experience that it will be a distraction to you. But if you decide in your heart that that's the way that they're showing their love and adoration and extravagant worship to the Lord. You won't even notice that anymore. And you can get in that face-to-face place with him. I heard Jeremy Riddle recently um, talk about losing it in worship, like with abandon, worshiping God with true abandon. And he's a worship leader, and so he does have like, eyes on him and so he tries not to be conscious I'm sure of people looking at him but he it's important to him to worship in spirit and in truth too and um, he said this and I thought it was so good he said it's only when freedom hits the room that people can actually lose themselves in complete praise and adoration of the Lord when we're so worried about does anybody else have their hands up should I put my hands in my pocket Um, am I singing too loud Am I moving too much? I'm a swayer, so I'm always swaying. And then I'm like, oh, is the person behind me getting seasick? Should I stop swaying? Like all those things, if we can just put all of that out of our mind in corporate worship, 
and in intimate worship with the Lord, we could enter into that true freedom and get the blessing, right, of that intimacy, that reset, that atmosphere shift, that fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's a fresh download from the Lord. Maybe it's just him reassuring you how much he loves you. Right? We should be free in our worship. I um, am getting better about that. That's something that the Lord has been working on me about big time when I heard Jeremy Riddle teach about that and, and teach about learning to be free with the band. And that was super convicting to me because I know that I, I spend too much time worrying about the people around me and what they may think and not enough time focused on what am I, what am I really supposed to be doing here? I'm supposed to be thinking about the Lord and focusing on him and what he's saying to me and what I want to say to him and making sure he knows how awesome I think he is and how grateful I am to him. And I think if we can get free in our worship, just like he said, that's going to bring a breakthrough. You know, we all talk about this next wave of God that's coming. We're all anticipating it. I know a lot of us are going through a lot of stuff. And like I was driving down the road the other day after I got a really discouraging voicemail of another friend that's going through hell, you know. And I just said, Lord Jesus, come back today. I know I've been saying that a lot lately, but I'm so serious. Just come back, Lord. This is hard. It is hard right now. And as we're going into the holidays, I think it gets harder for some people, you know. And so what did I do? I just started worshiping him. I didn't turn on the radio because I didn't want anybody else doing it for me. I knew it was one of those times that I needed to do it by myself. One of the biggest things we can do when we're going through something hard, when we're having a big discouraging moment or issue or trial, is just to start worshiping. Just start worshiping the Lord. You know, the enemy has to flee, right? Just open your mouth. You don't have to have music. You don't even have to have specific words. A lot of times I just start singing, holy, holy, holy. Holy are you, God. And after a few minutes of that, I can feel the shift come. I encourage you guys, if you're not already having one-on-one worship with the Lord. I know we have our quiet time. We read our Bible and our devotionals and stuff. But I really encourage you to worship him on your own, especially if you can do it without turning on any music. I get it. Like, John would have to, if John were here, he'd be like, yeah, I got to turn on the music. And I totally get that. But if you, even if you just sing like, we all know Jesus loves me, right? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. See, you can't do it without smiling. You can't do it. That's right. Do your hand gestures. It's as simple as that, you guys. 
Yeah, don't drive and do your hand motions, but you can sing it. And I'm just telling you, I'm not trying to be, you know, silly or goofy, but you'll be amazed if you can't think of anything else, just sing that. Because you're just affirming right then and there that Jesus loves you. And whatever you're going through, he's got you. And it can be a simple, faith-filled, childlike song. Or it can be, you know, an extravagant, big symphony, band, and everything behind you song. But whatever it is, just open your mouth and let your praises come out. You will be amazed at the intimacy levels. It takes you deeper with the Lord. You'll be amazed how it breaks off whatever it is you're feeling. You know, I had to do that on the way here tonight. Again, I-25 was completely stopped, so I had to turn around and get on 83, and that takes me longer. And I knew I was going to be late. And John wanted to come, and he had to work late, and all this stuff was happening, you know, right as I'm coming here, you know. And I was like, that stupid devil's trying to get me discouraged and steal my joy, but that's all right. I'm just going to worship the whole way there. And that's what I did, and it changes everything. Came in here last week, super discouraged. Tim and Jane started singing, and I was instantly, instantly filled with the joy of the Lord. By no doing of my own whatsoever, all I did was surrender and submit, which is what worship is. Just bow down, surrender and submit. Put your heart above your head. Let worship be the reset. Thank you. I encourage y'all to be free in your worship, too. When we're in corporate worship together, you guys, if you can't be safe here, like, we're in trouble. Because this is our family. So if you want to raise your hands and you've never done that, raise your hands. If you're a flag waver, bring, I almost brought my flag. Bring your flag. Like, whatever it is that sets you free, do that. You know? Let's pursue him, like she said, wholeheartedly and with passion and lavishly, extravagantly with abandon. Okay? We're going to do one more worship song, so if Tim and Jane will come up here. I love this song so much because um, it's a new song that's out right now. I think it was written by somebody at Hillsong, but um, Bethel's been singing it, so it's been all over the YouTube and stuff. But I love this song because it talks about how great God is. And it's a perfect song if you don't have it. You can get it on YouTube or Apple Music or whatever, iTunes. This is a great song to kind of like launch you into some one-on-one -on -one worship if you need a little kickstarter when you're on your own because the lyrics are so fantastic and they bring you right into the heart of the father which is what we want so as we worship i'm going to pray over you before they start but as we worship i encourage you to pretend like there's nobody else in the room Pretend like it's just you and the Lord. If he was standing right here with you, like the Holy Spirit is here with you. But if you could see him, and you were just so awed by his majesty and his beauty and his loving kindness and his goodness and his faithfulness, just worship him. Worship him with abandon. Worship him in, in spirit and in truth. Okay, so let me pray over you guys. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that, like I always say, I thank you that we live in a country where we can worship you freely. Thank you, God, that we can come here and talk about worshiping you. And Lord, I know that you told me already that you want to set some people free tonight, like you did me, that are 
a little worried about what other people think or how they look or how they sound or they think they don't have a good voice or whatever. None of that matters, Lord. So I pray that tonight would be a breakthrough night for all of us, that we would be able to worship you extravagantly. Father, I pray that you would have your way in this place. I pray, God, that um, as we worship you, that you would speak your loving kindness to us, that you would um, share your heart with us, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that we would be able to worship you face-to-face in freedom with, with spirit and truth, but also, Lord, with our hearts positioned above our heads. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen.